0: Welcome everyone to episode fifty-six of the Racing Line podcast. I'm joined tonight by Joey Anthony's still on paternity leave. Um, Joey, mate, how are you? Hey, mate, how you going? It's been a good week. Thanks. Has been a good week. Um, we had the finally had the MotoGP back at Phillip Island after three years. After three years, and it's from all intents and purposes, it seemed to be a pretty good event. Jack Miller, they renamed a corner after him which was turn four, turn four Miller corner. Yep. Um, he seemed to be loving life
1: until he got wiped out on lap 18. I think, I think he was loving life. I think the, um, the build up for this week for the race was actually really cool because he, um, him and Remy were part of a, like a, a, like a road ride, um, with a lot of fans, um, down to Phillip Island And even Brad Binder joined in So I mean in terms in terms Of the build up him He got married last weekend And Zarco was singing and playing guitar At his wedding um, Which I thought mm-hmm. was pretty cool as well um, cool. So yeah I thought Up until the actual race And he was probably having a really good weekend um, I mean I think it was also cool That it was the biggest crowd That they've had at Phillip Island In the last 10 years Which is somewhat understandable Because of the the weight hiatus, yeah. You know, what is it? What's they saying? Um, distance or distance makes the heart grow fonder, or something like yeah.
0: that. Yes. Um, well, if you haven't seen it, um, Alex Rins got his first winner of the season, is that right? Yep, 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 With well Mark deserved. As Mark Marquez in second and Bagnaia in third, and I think that's one of our main talking points tonight. The whole Bagnaia Quaderaro um battle, but mate, what do you think of the race? Um, I mean. It was a spectacular race. the 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 front
1: group of riders were so close for the whole race. It was um, it was a real good uh, what's it called advertisement for the sport. And I think we say this all the time, but this one in particular. Um, there's something about that track. How when you're looking at it from some angles, you just see the what is the ocean there? What's the ocean under Australia? Because you're pretty much it's the, pretty much the furthest point of Australia other than um other than Tasmania on the eastern side and it's an absolutely beautiful spot um, so the, you know even it, it, it's you know it's a special track when when the foreign uh, commentators you know revere it so much um, so you know it's, it's it's a real it's a real special event in Australian motorsport and I was talking to someone about it yesterday and I said like if you want to if you wanted to watch a race that sells the sport, go watch that one because it had everything, had spills, had, you know, lead changes up to, up until the last lap. So
0: I thought it was a great return to, to Phillip Island. It's a, um, I'm just looking at an aerial view now. It's a pretty, pretty amazing facility. Um, it's, in, it's insanely scenic. Yeah, I reckon. And that's a, that's a great advertisement for the country too. Um, yeah. But I guess, the local boys um jack was doing okay didn't qualify too well but qualified seventh was running fourth at one stage but like the whole that whole top
1: seven bikes were really close for the for pretty much the whole race um i think he dropped back to fifth or sixth and then unfortunately he just got wiped out by alex marcus who just totally totally um misjudged his breaking point. And I think in trying to avoid, uh, Bezeki ended up going around him and cleaning Jack out completely. Um, so unfortunate result. And I would say, unfortunately for Marcus, he does, it does look a bit amateur, but you know, these things happen, especially coming down, you know, that somewhat of a, uh, incline, uh, you know, I don't think there's any love lost between the boys. I think they both understand it's just an unfortunate incident. I think the the bigger the bigger um, talking point would have been uh, Quateraro totally totally destroying. I think his championship hunt after this race. Um, and yeah, I know that sounds a bit hy- like you know hyperbolic is uh, sort of one one. Sort of his, fir- his first race of the season, not being in the lead, but I think this is like the moment where you, where any momentum that he could have salvaged has been totally lost. I mean, he hasn't had any momentum since coming off. I think it was in Le Mans just before the the um, winter break, but and you know he's been clinging on by you know by a fingernail. Um, but yeah, I think now two races to go. And 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 Bagnier especially in this race, race really smart towards the end of the race didn't didn't you know put himself in any unnecessary risks and you know Rins and and Marquez had nothing to you know lose in the fight, so they were going pretty hard. So I think Bagnaya, you know just being smart, bringing home what is it fourteen points as a oh, sixteen points now as a fourteen point championship lead with two rounds to go. The ball is fir- firmly in his court and the momentum as well.
0: Yeah, I think I'm um, look just looking at the results, and Kato hasn't finished inside the top five since Masano. So since then we've had, Aragon, Japan, Thailand, and now, Phillip Island. So that's what four of. And two of them
1: are crashes, I think. Yeah, I think he's crashed in two of them. Yeah. So how many he's... of them are how many of them are no
0: point scorers? Oh, um, I'll let you know. So, yep. Yeah. Thailand was no points. He finished eighth in Japan. Uh, Aragon DNF. So, yeah, he's had a he's had a pretty rough go of three races of so no points. Three or four races, yeah. So yep. um, it's not really championship form, is it? It's nowhere near championship form.
1: Um, I think is it more than that? or.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I would like to say it's bike related, but I think it could be bike related and also uh, mental state related. I mean, last year he made a big deal about how he had fit corn and seen a psychologist about his mental state from the year before when sort of the same thing happened was leading comfortably halfway through the season before the um, sort of training wheels fell off that season. And I think realistically we've seen something very similar this year. Uh, And I remember when we, the the last race before the break, when he had the incident with Aleish Espergara, we were saying, you know, in a race that you could have gone into the winter break with all this momentum, even though you had a ton of points still that um, Bagnoya had to close to sort of go on that break with that doubt in your head. He has never looked the same since he came back from that break. Um, And like, you know, yesterday was, he made two mistakes. One of them totally outbraked himself at the same corner where Marquez uh, wiped out Miller and then in, then, and but also before that he was getting overtaken left and right. And then to, um, sort of end the race. So negatively, you know, just in such a, um, you know, to, to, to come out after, you know, having a bad start, a bad off, and then to, to sort of bin it again while showing no pace. I think there's, realistically no confidence left in that bike um and i think we know that that bike is dated we've been saying that all year as well and we're saying like if he can win a back-to-back championship on this bike it'd be amazing Mm -hmm. but i don't think that's that's anywhere close to happening after this last event um and i really i really think that now it's going to be to lose and if I had to put money down in terms of confidence and and momentum, there's only one man with any momentum at the moment. Alage is sort of there in there bounce, but you know the ball is firmly in Bagnoya's court.
0: Yeah, I, and even just looking at the results, Rins obviously Suzuki, so it was a good win for Suzuki. He was well ahead of his team, for the next Suzuki bike, which was 18th, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, Marquez obviously on a Honda, but then. From Bagnaya all the way through to Espargaro, it's Ducati, 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 Ducati. Like insane. Yeah, yeah. VR. And and yeah, we saw at the end of the moment, aren't they? We saw at the end of the race the two um
1: the two VR forty six bikes um behind Bagnaya, and I think they both had pace enough to pass him. But there's definitely team orders in play now with Ducati. It's like if you can't win the race, and I, th- I think they've said it as much. If you can't if you don't have a clear shot at the win, you are um or oh, it's very frowned upon to um you know overtake Bagnoye, which makes total sense. Um I think even Jack said as much. He said I'll let him um you know, pretty much I'll let him finish ahead of me as long as there's no chance for the win in this race as well. And you know, that's that's the um this is sort of the bed that they've made for themselves. They've sold the most bikes and they've made it the cheapest and the most accessible for teams. And in the crunch time, they have the most data and they seem to have, you know, the biggest buffer of bikes you can want, you could, you would want to put between you and your championship rivals. And I think 100%. when it comes down to it, we've seen them win the constructors championship, the team's championship this year, if they can put the, you know, the, riders championship, which is is the one that everyone wants into that, um, you know, into that trophy cabinet as well. Number one, it's the first one since Stoner in what, 2007 or 2008, um, which is a long time. But also you would say that it's totally, you know, it's totally deserved because it's totally man-made. It's not by fluke. They've built all the circumstances for their success. Mm. Um, So I think they're going to reap the, you know, the benefits of you know the crop that they've sowed
0: what does it mean i guess moving forward for MotoGP as a whole like do we think honda's going to be competitive next year with marquez is suzuki going to give them a run for their money and then obviously yamaha with quadraro like are they going to start strong next year like or is it just going to be total dominance by ducati I think I think realistically from what we've seen
1: since Marquez came back, he hasn't skipped a beat and I was I was very um cautious about what I was like how he was gonna be when he came back. Um, but from what I've seen, he looks ready to go. I think he's got two podiums now in, in three events and one of them was an unfortunate crash so realistically I think Honda, as long as Mark is there they'll be fine. I mean, even like if they he's different gravy mate. he's you know, gravy. he's he's an absolute demon. Um, and he you know, he makes that bike look competitive when no one else can. We're seeing the two Suzuki boys go to Honda next year, um, which I think is good for their just the strength of their their rider, you know, program and their setup. Um as long as the bike can be developed, I think it'll be fine. Yeah. And then uh, Yamaha is the one I'm worried about. I mean, in, in testing, they said the bike has found a lot of pace. The, the new engine development has been um, really helpful for the the power output of the bike. Okay. Uh, my my concern of them is the rider lineup, because I have no doubt in Quattro but Morbidelli has been nowhere since he's been on that factory bike and he's there for another year at least. I think they're the team that really needed a four-bike a four lineup for development and they're going to be the only one that doesn't have it. Um, KTM's got four bikes and a stronger lineup so for That's next year going, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so for next year I think Ducati is definitely the team to beat and I would probably say the Aprilia bike is probably the second best bike of the bunch but yeah with markers involved I, um, and even with Rins going to a Honda and me going to Honda I want to see how they go you know, on the on the Honda beast, but for now it's um the ball is firmly in the Ducati in the Ducati, you know, court. Unless someone can, you know, put a lot of a lot of development really quickly.
0: Mm. So looking forward, um obviously in Malaysia in on this weekend. Um, yeah any any predictions any any hot takes any
1: you know i'm predicting a ducati 1234 <laughs> like is six. That, seriously they've is got it two a track tailored to yeah they've the got device? they've got they've got two runways on that track um which only which definitely suits the ducati but it's also just the ducati doesn't look like it has any um downsides anymore you know it's it's great through the corners it has great tire life and it's probably the it's probably still the quickest bike um so i think realistically it's going to be a bagnaia win and there will be another three bikes behind him that will be ducatis unless they have an accident and um, that this is going to give the championship to bagnaia before we even get to valencia i honestly believe that now like as crazy as that sounds, because yeah. if I was Yamaha, I would have been trying to hold this lead as much as I could till we get to Valencia. Cause I think that's the only track that they really have a bit of, you know, parody in terms of how the bike suits the track. Um, they got no chance this week. I don't think.
0: Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy when you think that this is the first week that Bagnia has had the lead in the championship, like he's been chasing yeah. and clawing back the points all season. And he's had five DNFs or something this year. And, and he could still win it early. Like imagine if he didn't have those DNFs and the bike wasn't a few steps behind at the start. Yeah. Um, yeah. The guys cool. have an awesome season. Even Jack's had a really good season, really. Yeah, Jack's had a great season. I mean, I think
1: our, um, our previous pals from the podcast left at the right time <laughs> because they look so stupid now. Um, I, I said it. I, th- I think Ducati is going to really miss having a teammate like Jack on the bike mm. um, in terms of just the consistency he brings and he's had a few unfortunate incidents but like this year he hasn't had half as many like you know um, self-imposed crashes that he had last year um, he's been a bit unfortunate this year he broke gremlins as well and just a few accidents but I mean if you look at it he's had a I think the same or more um, podiums than Quadrara has this year, which is insane. Um, So, yeah, for I think the Ducati team, they started off slow and were wondering, you know, did they make the right decision updating that bike? But, I mean, they're the only ones laughing now because that bike is seriously quick and doesn't look like anyone's going to get anywhere close to it, probably till the middle of next year, I would say in terms of the amount of de- development they are ahead, unless there's a big rule change, which won't be happening until at least
0: the year after. So who do you see, I guess, moving forward as their, their biggest competition? Aprilia. Okay. I think... Um, is Espegaro staying with them
1: or is he moving? Yep, yeah, is staying with them. I think um, we've seen good steps out of Maverick as well this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's my... My dark horse is going to be um, Miguel Oliveira on the Aprilia next year because I think um, I I have wraps on him and I think that bike is (laughs) definitely a step up from the KTM at the moment. So if he can, you know, find some, you know, a a bit of a gelling of the bike quickly, which, which has been hard for a lot of riders, I will admit, like recently to find, you know, to gel with a new bike after being on a different one for so long. But if he can, you know, maximize it, I think he could really be um, a real contender next year. But I mean, when I say a real contender, I mean, just make it close because I think the two best riders this year have been Bagnai and Bastanini, and they're both going to be on the best bike. It's going to be, a, I think, a, a race between the two
0: Bologna bullets. And you don't want to see a Formula One type, um, outcome no the one one bike is and two drivers are so much quicker than everyone else i don't think it'll be that blatant
1: i mean even this year like it hasn't been that blatant um and you know honda's definitely gonna throw as much money as they possibly can because that's what they're good at so i don't think it will be um like what we've seen this year with ducati if another another manufacturer could easily have the same sort of development over the year. Um, and uh, Honda's bringing in the Suzuki boss as well into their stable to help them. And, you know, they've developed a really good bike over the last three years. So I don't think it's going to be like a, a walk away. I just don't think that any team will have the consistency to, to match the the boys in, on the Ducatis, unless they're going to get in their own way, which
0: could be a massive possibility as well. Cause we've seen that this year. You know, hopefully, too hopefully Marquez can can battle as well and stay injury free because that'll be. I think that'll he'll take. I think no what like I think if
1: I think if he stays injury free, he'll take it to the end. But that is, you know, that's the big question at the moment. Can he stay injury free? Um, no one's denying the the pace he has um, when he's on the bike. I mean, it's insane how quickly he comes back and looks so competitive. But, you know, everyone's been saying the next crash might be his last. Um, And I think that's, you know, never been more apparent than now Mm. if it's a bad one. So, you know, fingers crossed he stays on and, you know, picks his, you know, poison carefully. Um, But, you know, I think realistically when we look back at this season, it's going to be a really interesting one in terms of what could have been for Yamaha um, and
0: probably also what could have been for Ducati because of the way they started. But um, what can, what what happened? Was it just simple fact that they stopped developing, or everyone else caught up? Like who? Yamaha. Yeah, because they he started off th- really well. Like and we thought, oh, he's going to go back to back here at the start. Well, I did anyway. And I know, think um, about AJP, But
1: I think Yamaha put too much press in um, you know, in in Fabio, like the way Honda did with Marquez, and. I don't think Fabio's ever come across as the Marcus type in terms of, you know, taking it above and beyond, you know, sort of, um, ragdolling the bike to death. You know, Fabio has been super consistent and that was what got him at last year. He never, he never came off. Um, and obviously last year that that Ducati was, was still the best bike, but the updated version we have seen it this year, um, towards the second half of the year leave the last year model behind what we haven't seen bastion any half as much in the second half of the season that he did at the start. And that I don't think is a mistake. Um, so I think, yeah, I think Yamaha probably, well, they might've just been, you know, not willing to invest in updates mid season because they know that their big update is coming next year. Um, but I think it's a, a massive, massive miss for Yamaha, in terms of if that was what they did, uh, they I think I think they've really ruined a chance of getting back-to-back championships because next year is no guarantee that their update is going to, um, you know, bring them that much closer to the, to the you know the boys at the front. You know, if if that package was working, um, maximize it before you bin it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a big, um, it's a big. You know, who I do want to talk about that. Yeah. I want to give a quick props to Suzuki because, you know, we've, we've known they were leaving for the, um, for most of the year. And, you know, as a team, they haven't given up, you know, the fight. Brins, uh, I've said, has been looking a lot better this year in terms of staying on the bike and just finishing, you know, with whatever points he can get. And I think yesterday was a, was a, a race that really showed, what, when he's on song, like how good he can be. Uh, and he looked like a world BDS that he looked so, so comfortable at the front, you know, he looked so comfortable, you know, pushing that bike hard. And that's why I'm, I'm scared of Honda next year, because if they're getting someone as, you know, rawly talented as him and someone as consistent as, um, me in the same stable, that's a massive, um, upside. If they can both bring their best um, but, yeah, Suzuki, you know, to to win a race within the last three races of your farewell, I suppose, is, um, you know, it's got to be commended because they haven't, they haven't thrown in the towel. Mm. Um, and, you know, Suzuki is probably one of the most followed uh, bike companies in the world. So to give them a bit, you know, the fans a bit of a, a swan song, I think, is, is, is awesome. I know like- my brother Michael was absolutely peaking.
0: Yeah, Um, I saw a couple of things on. Are they going to come back? Like, are they like that where they jump back and forth between the sport or do you think this is it?
1: I think it's it for the foreseeable future. I don't think they know what they're doing at the moment. So until they as a company know what they're doing, um, I don't think they'll be back, unfortunately. I mean, their future in building motorbikes is up, up in the air at the moment.
0: What are they going to keep building? Cars.
1: Cars, yeah, Jimny's and little Swift's and stuff like that. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, and dirt bikes apparently. Yeah.
0: Um, But
1: I think that's GP. Good weekend.
0: We'll we'll move off into Formula One. There's a few topics. Look, it hasn't been a busy week in Formula One, but – the results of the FIA's investigation into the budget cap were released after we potted last week and Red Bull and Aston Martin were both found to be in breach as the rumours uh, said they were. Um, Aston Martin apparently really minor, um, but Red Bull is the big conjecture here. Uh, obviously, no one cares well, about Aston Martin because they came... Aston Martin, Aston
1: Martins, Martin's wasn't money-related, I don't think. I think it was... Um, What's the word like processes related, which I don't understand? Yeah, procedural or something. Procedural, and I'm like, what's what, yeah. what's a procedural? Um, yeah, you know, unless it was like the way that they, the way that they, um, report uh, something reported the money, mm. um, which which makes somewhat sense.
0: No, in, in typical FIA fashion, they were really clear in the communication. Um, yeah, n- not, um, but. I think Red Bull's the, the big issue. And then, you know, they've come out and said, we don't agree with FIA's ruling. Um, we'd like some clarification around blah, blah, blah. This is going to go on for ages, we know it is, because even if Red Bull are handed sanctions, it's going to go to a tribunal, they're going to, you know, it's going to go, it's, it's, this could drag on for years. I guess what I wanted to get from you is, A, I thought it was hilarious that they were trying to blame it on catering. Their catering costs are what took them over the, the budget. And secondly, what what sort of implications do you see this having and what sort of sanctions do you think that they should be getting for exceeding the budget cap? Nothing. Nothing?
1: Nothing. I, d- I want to know, like, until we're clear about um, how the budget cap works within the team, um, I want to know, uh, like, because – it's a million. Uh, uh, number one, it's not a, uh, a million dollars. I want, I want a specific number. I don't want to round it off. Number, if it's if it's a an actual, you know, breach of funds um, in terms of how much they use. Like uh, I don't want roundabout numbers. But second, if it's if it's encompassing the whole, um, you know, the whole operation of running the team, them saying catering is just something that they spend that much money on. Like, it it, it could literally be any part of it. It could be catering just as much as it could be paying, you know, an engineer or aerodynamicist. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's... On the flip side, all the other teams have managed to come in under. So, um, you know, no matter what, I guess the the funniest thing for me, I guess, in all this was Toto coming out during the week saying, if they don't get sanctions... We're just gonna blow the budget cap massively and just cop the fine because we could spend a whole heap more in developing our car. Well I think I think
1: realistically what what's gonna happen is they're not gonna like copying a fine doesn't help. I think what it should do is just come off next year's budget. Um, but like
0: yeah, I but think there's a- I don't know I don't know they, they've spent extra if that extra money has led to them winning championships and building a better car than everyone else. Yeah, what? do you know what I mean? Like I, I get what you're
1: yeah, saying. Yeah, I like I, I understand what you're saying, and what this and what they're saying is, it, it's a budget for last year's championship. So it's not even for this year's one. Yeah, it's for last year's one. All right. So the precedent has been set that if a team, you know, shonky business happens in a championship, and a team um, sort of fudges the books, and and my example is when Alonso won the championship with Renault when they had the whole um Nelson Piquet into the wall incident, Alonto was still a champion. Um so it's not like Lewis is going to win the championship because of it, which realistically
0: we don't like, want to see that um, anyway, I don't think.
1: Yeah, but I'm, but I'm saying like so if if um Max isn't going to lose a championship, which that's the precedent that F1 has set has set in the past, uh, any anything that they impose doesn't mean realistically doesn't mean shit like it's not going to stop anyone um so the only way i think they can impose something that's going to stop it happening in the future is if it gets wiped off your your next um your next salary your next you know salary budget or your salary cap and then also maybe implement that that um deduction over a couple seasons after you know, even though if, if it was like a million dollars for one season, then do a million dollars every season for the next three or four. You know, whatever you go over, it's 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 got a run on effect. Um but Otherwise, I mean, McLaren, what, Mercedes, and Red Bull's budgets are with between three hundred and fifty and five hundred million dollars a year. So to say, oh, you can't have like what's one like realistically? What's one million dollars? it's probably catering in, 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 in the, the scheme of that effort. There's, there's or maybe they so throw too memes. many people business class.
0: There's been so many memes like Adrian Yuey's face saying I ordered different wings, not these wings and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just been, <laughs> but I don't know. Like- I heard someone, I heard someone
1: say like Red Bull built one too many, um, Nose cones like that Last year Or something like that You know and it, 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 it is a bit it, It's funny Like when you start Breaking it down like that Like Yeah But I'm happy that they are
0: I, I, The shit thing for me I think is That No matter what I think Max is always Going to have a little Asterisk next to his name On that championship Because of What happened in that race Yeah and Because of, because of this And I still, I still stand by what I said back then, which I thought it was bullshit that what happened in that race. But Max is phenomenal. He's a deserving two-time champion. And you don't want to look back in 20 years going, oh, he was handed it or they cheated or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just think the guy deserves to be a champion off his own court. Like, it, it doesn't, that hat-tricks, that's going to suck. For yeah. Him, I guess.
1: I don't th- I don't think it's going to suck for him. I think as long as he keeps amassing more championships, people are going to forget about it more and more and more, As the more you get. Um, I think one thing that I think is really comical is the fact that Ferrari are talking it up (laughs) and Mercedes are talking up like that million dollars spent extra, um, you know, is is the thing that has helped Red Bull get this massive, you know, car development this year, helped them win a championship last year. Um, Like it seems like it's the be-all and end-all of all, you know, of of the preparedness of the team, which I think is absolutely hilarious. Um, Typical Formula One games, mate. Yeah, it it definitely is. Um, But like for Ferrari to be saying stuff like that, like, oh, we need, we're going to be fighting for the, the, you know, the biggest um, sanctions that we possibly can get. I'm like, why don't you just get your own house in order? Um, You know, worry about the things you can control.
0: And so then, like, the if you're
1: if you're in a championship fight, fight and it right. comes down to, yeah, you yeah, know, no, anyway. no, you know, such um, such winy bitches, Wingy bitches. Oh, so. um, but you know, it's it's, uh, it's it's understandable. I just think um, it just looks dumb because it's so naive to pe- to think people are too dumb to, see, you know, to read between the lines. But yeah, in terms of sanctions, I don't know what they could possibly put that will um, stop teams doing it, other than imposing that um, penalty into their salary cap for a couple of years to come.
0: Mm. You know, I guess like even like
1: if they were to say, if they were to say like um, you you break you go over the cap for two years after that, uh, you have ten million less to spend. on, on your budget, you know, that, that's a massive penalty and that would definitely make sure the, um, accounting is in order on all teams. And I think it's probably something like that would have to happen. Will they do it? I don't know, but I think if they want to be serious about it, they have to do something like that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's probably the only way forward because retro, retroactively taking points off Max and Red Bull from last year. Um, yeah, I think that's just shit, but, in all of this, and in Red Bull's dominant year, I've gone back and started reading Adrian Newey's "How to Build a Car." Um, mm. I don't know if you've read it. Um, nope. Yeah, it's, it's Enlightened me. Amazing, amazing book. He just—it's kind of his autobiography, but he goes through, you know, his whole life and he, his PhD when he was at uni was in ground effect cars. Yeah. So looking at that. There's no surprise as to why that car is so much better than everyone else's at the moment, because the guy yeah. just the guy just gets it. Because when he went through uni, it was in the late '70s when ground effect, the first round of ground effect cars were happening. I think yeah. Mario and Redi won the won the championship in the Lotus. Like there were a whole heap of ground effect cars back then. Then they ruled it out for thirty years. Um, but yeah, no surprise. And I don't think spending a million dollars. Extra has made the Red Bull such a better car. I think it's just Nui's overall design philosophy, and that that design well, if you will... car just and, and Max in the in the driver's seat. Like Perez hasn't been dominant, but Max has been. Yeah, but Perez could. If Max wasn't there,
1: Perez would, would could win the championship still.
0: Yeah, he could. But which is a Max which is a, it with four, a massive. Max yeah, four aces to go. Left. So, yeah. Whereas Leclerc is only um, a couple of points behind Checo. So, I think Adrian, I think
1: Adrian Newey, I think probably is a very underrated part of that team, even though he's not underrated in the fact that like everywhere he goes, whatever team he goes to, has had so much success and not even just so much success, but like the whole, um, he's redesigned the wheel in, for use of a better, you know, term so many times in the way that. You know, aerodynamics is distrib- aerodynamics is distributed over a Formula One car in so many eras. Um, you know, with different teams and his and and their cars are always the ones where they're pushing the boundaries. You know, uh, I mean, the only thing they weren't they probably didn't bring to the sport recently was that whole double diffuser thing that Braun brought into F one. Other than that, you know, they had they're the first ones to have uh, be using the suspension as winglets. Uh, on the suspension covers, they brought, you know, the nose that would dip under, um, under braking to give you, they brought active suspension with Williams in the, Mm. in the nineties. Um, like, yeah, the guy literally, I think lives and breathes aerodynamics on a formula one car. Um, and then the other thing they do always is bring a beautiful car as well as an aerodynamic car, um, Mm. So, yeah, when you say he gets it, I think he more than just gets it. I think he's like the god of aerodynamics, you know, like everyone's chasing
0: him. Yeah. And it's been like that for nearly 30 years. We just need someone else to, you know, poach him like a McLaren or an Alpine so we can get another bloody constructor up there. But um, this weekend we had... I don't think think that's happening. No, I don't think so either, mate. I think the guys were happy to see out his career at Red Bull. But yeah, Coda this week one of my favourite tracks on the whole calendar. Um, It's one of the new tracks that is awesome. Yeah, newer type tracks, kind of like Singapore. I think we spoke about it after the the last year, second half of the season. It has so many good tracks, and it just sucks that Max already wrapped up this championship. But there's a few, there's still a few things to look at. You know, there's the Alpine and McLaren battle. To see who gets P four and the constructors, it is P four. Yep. Yeah. Um. Interested to see how Ferrari's see out the season. Mercedes, like I think they're all going to be Ging up now to start testing next year's parts. Well, I think realistically, we've still
1: got a constructors' fight on our hands until it's not. Um. So I suppose until then, that will be interesting as well. Um. I don't know if teams will start testing parts as much as sorry in the old days because of the whole salary cap thing like do they want to be bringing that into this year's salary cap if you're running that close like we've seen we've already seen teams um, avoiding bringing you know updates that they already have you know just for the whole monetary side of it um, I mean I, I can realistically like I don't think Red Bull's though. bring yeah, Mercedes, definitely. I don't think Red Bull will be bringing anything. Um, but yeah, in terms of how do you, uh, um, like any testing I suppose they can get for a head start. And I could like it's, it's, it's gonna be a, a much trickier balance than previous years. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of the race this week, oh yeah, this weekend, it's such a great track and for it to be a dead rubber, I suppose is a bit sad. Mm. Um, and I, I just hope that the race lives up to, um, you know, what I expect from that track because realistically the foot's going to be somewhat off the gas for everyone involved, unfortunately. Yep. So fingers crossed. It's um, sad. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just unfortunate that we've still got three races and, you know, or four races, yeah. So if there's a hundred points available still. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's not going to change the drivers' championship. You know, it's absolutely insane. Like, um, but I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer.
0: Three of those four: Coda, Mexico, Brazil. Like, I love great tracks. Tracks. Um, so ho- hopefully, we see some some good racing at least. Uh, but the, M- the McLaren Alpine battle, I think there's 13 or 14 points in it. Um, McLaren were really strong here last year. I think Danny Rick and Lando finished P4 and 5 or somewhere thereabouts. Um, Yeah. Alpine have been strong pretty much everywhere compared to the McLaren. McLaren's lucky that the Alpine keeps breaking. Um, Yeah. And and that's what's allowed some of those points back. Well, can you imagine if
1: it's actually like a dogfight that the McLaren's not going to get past on this track at all because there's those two massive straights that the Alpine is just going to claw, you know, so much, um, (laughs) a a distance and then the McLaren will catch it back up through the windies and it's just going to happen every lap. So, I mean, qualifying is going to be massively important for both those teams. Um, I agree. And if I was to choose, I'd probably say it's going to benefit Alpine no matter what though, because there's so much straight on that track and that car has to be Probably the quickest car down a straight, other likely, than maybe definitely. the. I mean, I, I'm I'm fingers crossed that Williams has another good race because, you know, there's a, that car is also a, a knife through wind at the moment. You know, it's it's super um aero deficient, um. So hopefully, you know, Goat Tifey can bring a few points home with Albon this weekend. Fingers crossed.
0: Well, the only thing with the with the Williams is the. I think it's similar to like Maggots and Beckets and the Suzuka s's that sort of sector. Um, yeah, they might struggle through there, but otherwise, they probably will. As long as they, can, uh, as long as they can car. get
1: a little, get a little gap um, down those straights, I think they'll be fine just holding people back. Yeah. All right. Did we talk about um about uh, what's his name, Toro Rosso driver last time? DeVries getting a seat. Did that happen since we speak? Okay,
0: fair enough. Yep. So DeVries to Alpha Tauri, Pierre to Alpine, and Danny Rick was the third one that we spoke about. Pretty much not being.
1: That's right. We yeah we 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 circled this up. Yeah.
0: What do you think of interesting um, times? That second Williams seat, mate, and the Haas seat. I
1: think I think Williams they've made it clear. Reading between the lines is going to be Logan Sergeant seat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy to see promotion from within. I think he's definitely got talent to be in the seat. Whether it translates is a totally different prospect altogether. But in, in terms of if you are trying to build an academy, you know, tr- you know, build the academy, actually, you know, follow through with it. So I can, I respect that. In terms of um, having a native uh, American on the grid I think that's what the sport needs but like I've always said if you're going to put if you're going to have one on the grid I think it's important for them to be the right one is he the right one I'm not sure um but yeah I mean yeah,
0: he hasn't even got the super license
1: points yet though who sergeant yeah, sergeant
0: yeah
1: will he have it by the end of the year
0: Well, he needs to, at Abu Dhabi, which is the last race, he needs to finish at a certain point in the constructors, uh, in the driver's championship to be guaranteed those points. And I think he will, but Williams is leaving a lot to chance there considering it's the last race of the season.
1: Well, I think in terms of they might just be thinking if he doesn't get it, we'll we'll lobby for it. And if not, we'll just pick up Schumacher. I, you wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if if that was not to happen, and it wouldn't be like it wouldn't be like oh we're losing one driver for, like who's much better, you know what I mean? Like they, I would say Schumacher's probably better than Logan Sargent still. I mean I don't know how to really measure either of them, but if that's the game that they're playing, I don't think it's a bad game to play. Um, but yeah, I think what does he have to become? Is, is it just points in this? Is he have to finish a certain? Um champion like standing. Box. Which he already is. It's just to maintain it. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah, I think that's realistic. Um but yeah, like I like the idea of promoting from your academy if you're trying to build one. So I'm I'm fine with that. I think it's actually a bigger um problem for Red Bull that they couldn't promote from their academy. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's surprising to me. Because they if you think about it, they've had they have um what's the um, what's the New Zealander who's in there? Cassidy. They have Nick Cassidy in their ranks. They've got um Liam Lawson in F2 as well. So I suppose they're not ready. Um but yeah, for them to go poach a, a Mercedes driver for their junior team, I think is probably a, a worry for them. Mm-hmm. Um and I suppose that you probably they probably probably would have thought to put um Yuri Vips in there if they had to, but that's gone you know, <laughs> up shit creek this year. So, yeah. you know, you have to plan for these things. Um But I, the heart I, thing? I don't know. Um, I have no idea. Sounds like it's going to be Giovinazzi, which I don't agree I'm with.
0: I'm hearing it's going to be the Hulkenberg.
1: Which I still don't agree with. No, he's
0: been out of the sport for a while.
1: But its it's not even that. It's like... I feel like these seats need to be filled with drivers who are going to be coming into the sport to give them a chance. Go get Dragovic if you're going to put Hulkenberg in there. You know, give someone a chance to make a name. Because, um, like, it's it's my whole argument with Sebastian Vettel. Like, yeah, he, he was good this year, but could any other driver have done what he did this year? I, I believe so. I don't think he did anything special for that team. It's not like he did... Uh, Yeah, but Stroll hasn't looked much worse than him, and on a lot of on 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 too many weekends, he looks just as good or 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 better. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not night and day. Like I would say, Alonso always looks better than Ocon, regardless of where he finishes. But um, I think Vettel has. I think the word flattered is too harsh, but he's made Stroll look probably better than he is. so I think these seats, if you're a team like Haas, like number one, save some coin on, on salary and bring in, you know, I think F1 has a has had like they had an influx of young drivers, but there's other teams that are just trying to hang on to these relics of the sport for way too long. Um, like even Alonso, as much as I love him, I don't know, I think get some young guys in. That's just me I'm always about bringing in the young guys oh
0: yeah if like, you're not going like, to win a to
1: championship a point, bring in the young guys
0: to a point but guys like Alonso you know Danny Rick Lewis yeah, but, uh, th- those guys bring a lot to the Alonso
1: yeah well I think Lewis does more than Alonso and Danny Rick now um but I think like Danny Rick brings more to the sport than even Alonso because I think Danny Rick is Probably the, the the most likable driver on the grid, but my whole thing with Alonso is that he's going to a team that's house isn't in order, and he's never performed well at a team that's house wasn't in order. I mean, I'll, next year I wouldn't be surprised if he left mid-season. If you know, if 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 they're as as bad as we think they are in terms of stroll, you know, being an absolute, you know, negative impact on the team. Mm. Um, so. Bringing some what young Danny you waiting for. What, Stroll to leave?
0: Oh, no, for uh, Alonso <laughs> to blow up and take the seat.
1: But if, uh, if Alonso leaves mid-season, why would Danny Rick think that's a good seat to take?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, mate. You uh, know? I'm just trying to think of his bloody... <laughs> what he's thinking. But anyway, um, I'm looking forward to Coda. It's been... It's been a long season. It's going to be a, a long end to the season, but at least we're going to see some good
1: things. Yeah. I think at least we've got some nice tracks to go to. Like the, the track list is something that I'm not disappointed about. Yeah, um, I think that will be great in terms of just a track that is an awesome track to watch races on. I mean, the American fans have been some of the best of recent races as well. So, you know, yep. good on them. Good luck to them. Um, I can't wait to watch a race that's not at night as well. we early morning. Actually, it'll probably be, yeah, six uh, getting ready for work, but you know, it's better than Singapore in the rain. <laughs> yeah, at least we're making it a rain. Yeah.
0: Um but yeah, yeah I will leave it there. Um yeah. Thank thanks for listening guys. Um keep liking, subscribing. Doing all that good stuff. Joey's been putting up all of our videos in in parts on on the YouTube channel. Check them out if you don't want to listen to us. I was unfortunately a bit late this
1: week um, through some family incidents, but, you know, we'll be back to regular scheduling this week.
0: Programming. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, keep liking, subscribing, and enjoy the weekend of racing. We'll we'll be back next week with the CODA and uh, MotoGP review. And, Joey, thanks for jumping on, mate. Thank you very much, mate. It's always a pleasure. Love it. All right. Thanks, guys. Cheers, buddy.
1: See ya.